right. Well, welcome back to the Leading Virtuously podcast today. On the show, we have Mr. Mark Woods. So excited to have you, Mark. Oh, thanks, Chris. I'm really excited about being here. So, Mark, uh, you know, I always ask the difficult question first, who are you? Man, that could be a deep one, but we'll, we'll keep it up on a, on a superficial level, maybe. Um, so, um, my name is Mark Woods. I'm the Assistant Chief Nurse Executive uh, for Behavioral Health uh, for all of UK Healthcare, and that includes our uh, state psychiatric hospital that we run as well. Um, I've been a nurse for 28 years. Um, I'm a father of uh, two beautiful children, uh, and uh, my wife, Angela, and I've been together since high school, and uh, it's just, uh, you know, one of those things that kind of keeps me grounded, certainly, in, in the things that are important, but um, yeah, those are the things that I do, um, part of a lot of different professional um, memberships, like the American Organization of Nurse Leaders, um, American Psychiatric Nurses Association, uh, on and on, but that's who I am. I'm, I live here in uh, Lexington, or Georgetown, Kentucky, right outside of Lexington, and I've been a lifelong Kentuckian, which I'm very proud of, and, and I think that's that's who I am. I have a bunch of follow-up questions to a couple of things you just spit off there, but before we dive into that, uh, wanted to ask you, how did you get to the leadership position that you're in today? Yeah, well, you know, uh, Chris, I've been blessed, uh, I would say. I've been blessed uh, to have people around me uh, all throughout my career who, um, who to some may seem as if uh, they had no reason at all to, to want me to, to have good things and to be a part of good things and, and, and have support. Uh, but again, I, I think I've just been blessed to have great people around me all the time. Um, you know, early in my career, um, I was, uh, you know, even when, when we look back and as a manager, uh, I think when I started in 95, becoming a, a nurse manager, um, I was very young. I'd only been a nurse for, for two years. And but I had a lot of people around me that coached me and, and I wasn't sure if I should take that first step. Right. But, um, you know, one of the mantras that I remember recall people telling me that, that were important in my life was uh, as doors open up, you walk through them. Uh, you prepare to walk through those doors, but as they walk it up, walk, as they open up, um, you prepare yourself to walk through. And so I, I've done that uh, over the course of my career. Um, you know, I've spent, uh, all 28 years in behavioral health, and I've been blessed to do a lot of different things, uh, from educator to a variety of different leadership positions at the state hospital. Approximately eight years ago, seven, eight years ago, UK Healthcare took over management of the state hospital, uh, and it was at that moment uh, when, um, you know, I had kind of a decision to make. Uh, I could retire from the state at that time, uh, or I could put my best foot forward and um, attempt to make that transition, become a UK healthcare employee, uh, and continue to have involvement and oversight for the uh, state hospital that I'd always been a part of and had oversight for. And um, I did just that uh, because I, I, at the time, uh, I think UK healthcare was given the responsibility and the, uh, uh, to manage uh, Eastern State Hospital. And I think in a lot of ways, they felt like they were bringing their expertise to us uh, in behavioral health here at the hospital. Um, but I felt like 
uh, it was a different story. I felt like we had something that we were bringing to them. We had an expertise that we were bringing to them. So uh, the door opened up for me to be the chief nurse for behavioral health at UK Healthcare and Eastern State Hospital and make that transition. Uh, and I did so. And I did so because I wanted to make a difference on, uh, continue to make a difference at a, on a higher level. And, um, and I can tell you that my transition uh, was challenging because it was going from being at a state hospital to an academic medical center. Um, but as I said earlier, I had, I've always had just these people that show up in my life that um, uh, helped me make some of those transitions. One of them was Diana Weaver. Um, a, a nurse leader with a lot of experience, was the chief nurse at UK Healthcare many years ago, was the chief nurse at Yale New Haven. I mean, this, this person is just an amazing woman and an amazing leader. And, um, you know, I, I had her by my side at, at coaching me and helping me make, make that transition. And, and, uh, and I felt like it's been pretty successful. Hmm. So you've obviously had a wildly successful career in behavioral health um what you know obviously like we're still in this country continuing to to you know kind of shake off that 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 stigma behind mental health so as as a um behavioral health leader what are some things that you know about the industry that your average person wouldn't know uh just kind of as an outsider looking at yeah, so as a leader, you know, uh, with fiscal responsibilities, uh, as you said, there's this uh, there's a statement that's made that uh, with uh, uh, no margin, no mission, mm-hmm. and it basically means you know that you, if if we uh, we can have the greatest mission on the on the planet, we can seek and hope to do all the best things in on the in the world, and have the perfect plan to do so. But if we don't have the money to do it or if we don't have the means to sustain or support it, then we, we can't do it, right? It's all for nothing. Uh, and I would say, you know, Chris, I think there's times when that's the truth, that's the case. Um, but I think in behavioral health, that's one of those areas where it's often not the case. And so as a leader, um, you know, over the course of, you know, decades, I've been in the business or had the had the challenge um, to, of, of having to convince people that these were worthy cause, causes or this, this was worth the profit loss, right? And so the only way to do that sometimes is to be able to, you know, hope that you're, you've got profit gains in other areas that will sustain some of those profit losses. And you talk a little bit about, you know, some you know, events that, you know, that kind of like remind you of that virtue. I mean, it's hard for me to pull any one. In fact, so many come to my mind. I can remember, I can remember a time when we had a, a, a patient here who passed away, and uh, I have the habit of like if we if a patient passes away, it's it's kind of a it's a rarity, but it does happen in psychiatric hospitals. It's a rarity, uh, and I would come in for it. Uh, well, um, and I would do it just to support the staff and support the process and just make sure that things went smoothly and. And whatnot, and I can remember coming in uh, for this one, this gentleman that was uh, a, had been a patient for um, well over a year, had no family that wanted any sort of involvement at all, and he lived out the re- he was he had palliative care, so he lived out the rest of his life here at a state psychiatric hospital. Wow. And and this was a challenging patient. It was a patient that like was combative and aggressive and assaultive and and um, and whatnot and I, I remember 
um, driving in and I remember just, you know, having a conversation with God and you're saying how horrible this would be, mm-hmm. how terrible this would be to live out your last days of your life when uh, in, in a psychiatric hospital, how terrible that would be with no family around you. And, um, you know, just uh, seemingly strangers or people just doing their jobs, right? And so I, I came in with that attitude, and I knew I obviously could not show that to, to my staff or else it might, you know, in, impact them. And so when I got there, um, I might have to pause. <laughs> when I got there, um, I'll never forget it. Uh, I knew how aggressive this man was and often hurt the staff and whatnot but they had never given up on him. In fact, uh, they knew he was dying days before his death. And they, they, they argued over who was going to sit with him. They held his hand, they petted him, they washed him, they made sure he was comfortable. And um, I remember leaving that day and just you know, having that affirm that affirming, uh, just feeling that affirming event that this is what we should be doing, uh, particularly in behavioral health. It's it's a challenge. It's challenging work, but it's work that has to be done. And it's not often a big money maker. And it's not oft, And oftentimes it loses money. But it's important because I thought to myself, we should all so be so lucky as this gentleman to pass away with people that love us around, that are around us, that love us, that are taking care of our needs, that are praying with us. The staff were praying with him. They were praying upon his death. They prayed after his death. And then when I came in that day, they were all coming up to me and just telling me how honored they were to be able to spend the last hours and days with this gentleman. And this is a guy that was hitting them, hurting them, resisting them, for for months almost over a year and i just thought we should all be that fortunate to have that have people like that in our lives upon our passing right and so for me you know you walk away from that and it was just it was just another story that reminded me just how important some of this stuff is um and and just how unimportant sometimes making money or that margin actually is so got a lot of those types of stories chris that's the one that i feel like um, probably over the last, I'd say the last four or five years, that one was really impressed me, uh, pressed upon my heart. Yeah, <clears throat> I, um, I obviously have not had a, a long-standing behavioral health career, so I, I have trouble, like being able to dive into that specific example. But you know, having yeah. a, a mother who or a grandmother who who died of Alzheimer's. Yeah. and uh, uh, taking care of her at her yeah. end of life. And, you know, my grandfather, even though he had the money, he, he made each of his kids that were living in a six flat uh, basically yeah. do rotating nights to take care of her in her, in her last couple of months. Yeah. And, you know, as a 20 something year old punk, it's like, you know, why do I have to do this? Blah, blah, blah. You know, now, yeah. now looking yeah. back on that situation and, and recognizing like what a blessing it, it really was to be able to, you know, spend those, those intimate nights, not only with my grandma, but also with my grandfather too, as he was bedside with us going through all of that. Oh yeah. So, so yeah, so I, I really, um, no, thank you for sharing that story and, and yeah. uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, I was going to ask you the question about where business and virtue intersects, but I think you nailed it there, brother, that, that like, how do you, when you go through these like supercharged moments of love yeah. with another human being, yeah. it's, it's, it like opens your eyes to, to like, wow, like, like this is, this is what life well, matters. Is yes. yeah. yeah, it's like, man, this is what matters. This is why we got into this. This is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and I can't say it enough, man. It's a blessing. It's like for you and your father, your grandfather. It wasn't even just it wasn't just the blessing that was bestowed upon you, or the blessing of of giving the care to your grandmother. It's the blessing that you gave your grandfather. That at that moment, you know, as a child or as a young young adult, you didn't quite get all of that. But what a blessing to be able to give him uh, the comfort, the safety, and the comfort of knowing that his wife was being taken care of by people that loved her. So absolutely, man, I, we, it's, that stuff's important. And you come across that all the time with behavioral health. It, it doesn't make a lot of money, but, but um, you know, I think that's why um, disruptive innovation in behavioral health, things that really pushes the, the limits of, well, we've always done it this way, you know, well, let's, let's think about doing it a different way. You know, that's why it's so important in this field, um, because it, it it's not it isn't a big money maker, and and the challenges are very are great so and varied so. Yeah. So I wanted to circle back on a, another thing that you well, there's two themes that I'm picking up from from your interview today, and the first is that you mentioned that you feel like there's been these people that have been planted in your life to help you to grow and develop in the moments that you you really needed them in your life. But I can't help but think, you know, I was a recent episode, I was talking to this uh, HR executive and he was talking about how he had witnessed a leader that wasn't leading as his genuine self at the workplace. But then at home, he was like this loving and kind father and husband, et cetera. And then like a completely different persona for who he thought the business needed him to be. Yeah. And I, I, so I, I tell you that story because I'm curious about like, like when you say that you've been with your wife since high school, like, you know, with, with some of the divorce statistics here in the United States, uh, you know, I've been through one of those, et cetera, that, that you're definitely like, you know, start, unfortunately, like one of the minority in in being able to have that long of a successful marriage. So I I, um, wanted to just ask you, how have you guys made that work? And, and how does kind of like also, I guess the theme of like, you know, kind of like, you know, leading virtuously, being your genuine self, all that kind of like applies uh, both to, you know, we've talked about work, but also like in your married life too. Yeah, no, you know, my wife, uh, you know, she helps me get ready for speeches or talks or conferences. She'll, she'll look over things I write. She's a, she's an English teacher. Um, she has more degrees than I have, actually. She has quite a few. Uh, she's also a librarian, uh, on and on and on. But um, the funny thing is that she, she'd be very proud that you asked that question today, Chris, because she's constantly, when I'm giving, you know, uh, thank yous to lots of different people, she'll, she'll kind of nudge me a bit and say, and your beautiful wife. And so she is, <laughs> she is beautiful. She, but more than being beautiful, she's uh, really super smart. Uh, Chris, you know, she's just been a, a great partner. We, we've, um, there have been times when uh, I think we've been both been pretty supportive of each other. Um, I think family matters to us uh, the most. 
And so uh, we've been able to kind of just lock into certain core values that are important to both of us. Uh, listen, we're just like every other couple. We have ups and downs and argue and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I just, I think we've both had this understanding that no matter the argument, no matter whatever the, the latest challenge is, it's, it's just us. It's, this is always going to be us. And, you know, this is, this is who we are. But more than that, you know, some of the values that I think we've, we've, uh, we've held on to, again, aside from, you know, family, which I think is the most important piece of this is, uh, you know, God, I believe that's a piece. I believe um, education for us, that's something that both of us have valued greatly. Uh, and, and I say that because we didn't come from families that, that graduated college. And between the two of us, we have quite a few degrees um, that we're that we're proud of, and we and at different times we've had to support the other person. So for us, I think there's been ups and downs, but there's just been this ongoing, just like understanding that it's like no matter what, it's just going to be us. And so there are times when she struggles, and I have to pick up the eighty percent to her twenty. And there's times when I'm struggling, or I can't be as available and not just physically, but, but emotionally available and whatnot. And that's, that's the time when she picks up the 90 and I'm the 10%. Um, and, and, and conversely, the, the opposite is also true. There's been times when it's her moment to shine and I, and I, and I want to celebrate her and I want to make sure she has her moments and, and she does the same thing for me. She's very understanding and, um, you know, I, I couldn't have picked a better partner. So I'm curious, like, as you mentioned that you guys uh, both uh, uh, grew up in, in, you know, just like this, your current lifestyle and quality yeah. of life was not what your upbringing was. Yeah. To. Yeah. So did yeah. you guys ever have to go through a, a, a rocky patch, kind of going through those learning curves of like living in a higher quality of life, where can, which can, um, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, kind of like pump yeah. up the ego in a different way, which can, you know, obviously yeah. present some challenges within the marriage. Well, that's, you know what, that's, yeah, that's a great, great point. You know, we both grew up from Eastern Kentucky and from those uh, that are from that area. That's a, that's a pretty impoverished area of Appalachia. And, um, you know, so when I say, oh, our families, no one had ever gone to college, you know, graduate college before that, that was kind of the norm really for the most part. Um, you know, we're, we're also, uh, you, you talk about, you know, with everything rough, there were lots of rough patches, brother. I mean, there was lots of times when we just didn't have the money for things or, or whatnot. Uh, but, uh, and in fact, we still keep each other kind of honest, you know, uh, when, on things that we're, when we're spending money or whatnot, we'll look at each other and say, is this real or should we be doing this? Is this a smart thing? So we sort of keep each other in check, you know, it was, uh, but oftentimes, uh, you know, both of us have just, just, uh, I think great sense of humors, uh, laughing at, at, at things and each other at times and ribbing each other, super important to us. And so, uh, it's hard to get so full of yourself in our house because there's always <laughs> somebody there to kind of bust you, chop you, you know, give you some shots. But at the same time, we're also extremely and exceptionally supportive of each other. I will say, you know, um, you know, there's been times in our lives as 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 we're raising our own children where we're they're afforded something or they're allowed to do something that it was like my wife and I'll look at each other and say, 
my God, you know, I, I'd lived my entire life. I'd never been outside of the country, you know, and here my daughter is taking a, a trip with her school or whatnot to Europe and doing some things like that, which, you know, I think most parents want their children to be able to do more and so forth. But, but my wife and I, Angela, we will look at each other at times and go, I mean, is this real? Has this happened? Are we able to do these things? And, and so I don't know. I mean, I, st- I think we still stay pretty grounded in that, but yeah, no question. We've had some, we've had some rough times and, uh, but again, I think staying together and, um, being honest with each other has been something that's been helpful for, from our, our entire family. Hmm. Well, thank you for that, that testimonial. Um, yeah. because you know, it, I, I guess the reason I ask it, cause I haven't really uh, dove deeper into a lot of other people's kind of family relationships and because yeah. we've had other conversations, I feel like yeah. maybe I was more comfortable to go there, but I think totally. that is important as a, as a lesson to share too, is like, if, if, you know, you can, you can have all the success that you want in the business world, but if you don't have someone at home that's blocking and tackling for you and, and helping to carry the load, it's going to, yeah. you know, it's going to manifest in some sort of way, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, no question. Well, and, and like you said, I mean, I don't know what's coming up around the corner. I don't know what's going to come up, up tomorrow, but what I do know is that no matter what's coming up around the corner, uh, or a week, a week from now, or a year from now, or six, whatever it is, whatever the challenge is, I know who's sitting at home. I know who I can go to and, and who I'll be facing that challenge with. Mm-hmm. And that's comforting, man. That's, that's comforting. So. I love it. Yeah. Well, Mark, uh, uh, absolutely loved having you on the, the show today. Uh, how can people get a hold of uh, you or what your organization is up to? Yeah, so if they'd like to uh, email me directly, they can email me at marc.woods at uky.edu, uh, or they can uh, look through uh, my company's website at www.ukhealthcare.uky.edu. Excellent. Well, uh, loved having you on the show today. Always yeah. enjoy uh, you know, connecting with you uh, about life and, and business, et cetera. So it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you, Mark. And uh, yeah, I really um, am excited about the way that this episode is going to bless many people. So thank you yeah. for being a part of the uh, podcast. Oh, the honor's mine, Chris. Appreciate it anytime. All right. Great. Thank you, Mark.